in case you're sure, not sure, I'd like to clear something up. Uh, it's already been mentioned a few times, but I am not Pastor Mike. Uh, I think that's fairly clear. <laughs> um, but if you'd like to go ahead and get a refund for your tickets, I understand. Um, I think I know most of you, but there are a few people in this room that I don't. Um, so for formality's sake, hi, I'm Scott. And God has blessed me with the stewardship of our young adult ministry here at Emmaus Road uh, called SALT for the past uh, two and a half years or so. Um, It's been an amazing journey. And if you haven't gotten to know our young adults, you really should because they're absolutely fantastic. Uh, They love Jesus. They have servants' hearts. They're so smart. And they're really really weird and awkward and I like to think I had a part in at least a little bit of that last bit um Mike uh, spent the last uh, week, the majority of it, teaching at Adelphia Discipleship School down in Ravensdale, and he was taking them through the entire book of Romans in like three or four days. So we decided that um, trying to prepare a sermon for Sunday would be a lot uh, to put on his plate. So I was given the opportunity to bring the word to you this morning, and I am so grateful for that. Um, we are coming to the near to the end of our time in Galatians uh, as we enter into the final chapter of this letter that Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia. It's all about the pure gospel. Because if you add anything to the gospel, it's not the gospel anymore. If you take anything away from it, it's not the gospel anymore. For the gospel to be powerful, effective, life-changing, it must first be pure. So we've spent three months digging into this wonderful letter, talking about the testimony of the sinner changed that the gospel gives, the impact that the gospel has on lives and community when the mission of Christ is carried out and the gospel is sent forth. We've talked about covenant relationship that we now have with a holy, just, and merciful God that the gospel has brought us into. Wayne took us through the original overarching purpose of the law that the Judaizers were trying to add to the gospel and how it was meant to point to our need for a savior because it could never save us. We rejoiced in the adoption into the family of Christ that we were given when we received the grace of the gospel and the new identity as sons and daughters, heirs according to the promises of God. We were given a picture of Sarah and Hagar, the children born unto them, one according to the promise, the other according to the flesh, and the difference of being a slave to the law and the flesh, or free in spirit and promise. And from there, we spoke on the true freedom that Christ has purchased for us on the cross. What it means to live free from the bondage to sin and death, alive in him. To not just live free from, but free to, living in his glorious purpose. And last week, Mike talked to us about the battle within each one of us between our flesh and our spirit. 
the perpetual war zone that we find ourselves in and what victory for either side looks like in the moment. The works of the flesh or the fruit of the spirit, that which we do in our flesh or that which is given to us by grace, by the Holy Spirit. He talked about the fact that we cannot be idle and expect to drift towards holiness, but we must fight against sin, against our flesh. We must press into the spirit, and that is a battle that every believer will fight in. Every day, I must fight against sin, against my old self, the world, and the enemy. Every day, each brother and sister I have in Christ fights that same battle. Some days are easier than others. Some days I don't fight well. It's just harder than others, or I don't look to Christ for victory at all, and I lose that battle. And I know the same is true for each and every sibling I have in the family of Christ. Paul knew it too. Paul fought those battles every day, as did each of the apostles. Every single person who's ever worn the name of Christ and been transformed by the Holy Spirit has fought that battle every day of their new lives. And every single one of them has had winning days and losing days. Over the last few years... I've spent a lot of time receiving counsel and giving counsel, being discipled, discipling others, being taught in the word and teaching from the word. And in all of those things, in all of my time, both growing in Christ and coming alongside and helping others grow in Christ, there's one thing that has stood out as one of the most crucial aspects of the Christian life. And it's the one thing that I feel like, especially here in America, is the least utilized aspect of our faith. Community. Now you may look around right now and think, ah, Scott, we're in community right now. What are you talking about? And to a degree, yes, you're right. This is community. This is your community. But there's an aspect of community that isn't often granted even within the church, and that's openness and vulnerability especially when it comes to losing the battle. And I completely understand why. We love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We enjoy spending time with them, worshiping with them, digging into the word, but allowing them to see us in our hurt, our struggles, our failures, that's a really hard thing to do. Because we've felt judged by other believers in the past. Or we have family and friends who have been judged or even shunned by people in the church because of something that was found out about them. Or because we think so highly of them and we want them to think highly of us. And so we don't bring things up because they seem to have it all together. They seem to not deal with the kind of things that I'm dealing with. So how could they understand? How could they meet me where I'm at if they aren't struggling the same way that I am? Or we, be, we, we assume that they have too much on their plate already. We think we don't want to burden them with my problems. I don't, I don't want to make it uncomfortable for them to hear me talk about where I'm at or... 
it would be uncomfortable for me to talk about where I'm at. So we don't talk about those things at all. But that's exactly why we're in community together. Paul knew that our fight against sin, the world, the enemy, and our flesh would not be fought without losses, without failures. And from those would come wounds. And so in writing to these new believers, in reminding them of the gospel that has saved them, the pure gospel, and steering them away from the false gospel of the Judaizers, the Spirit directs him to give guidance for how brothers and sisters in Christ are set free from former slavery, united by the Spirit, and should respond to one another in the midst of that fight against the flesh and sin. If you'll open your phones or actual physical Bibles, depending on what you have, to Galatians chapter 6. We're in verses 1 through 5 this morning. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. This is gospel-centered community. This is how we fight sin. We do it together. Please hear me, family. Your problems, your struggles, your wounds, they aren't too big for those that the Lord has put around you. We were meant to carry one another. We were meant to bring our stuff to the Lord and to our siblings in trust and in faith. God designed us for community. And he uses community to grow and heal us, to help and guide us, to refine us more and more into the image and likeness of Christ. The pure gospel allows and facilitates pure community. So let's tackle the text a little bit at a time. Verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Paul had just got done giving us a list of the works of the flesh and comparing them to the fruits of the spirit. This walking, this is the walking out of that in community. Paul didn't just say, hey, don't do the things of the flesh and then end it there. Because we're going to mess up. We will lose that fight from time to time. In fact, sometimes we're going to lose it a lot in a very specific area. And sometimes it begins to feel unwinnable. Like we're just being beaten down over and over again. I know I've been there. I think we all have. All the more reason that we should be able to come alongside one another when our brother or sister is going through that. Because what does the text say? Restore him. 
Restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Colossians 3 verses 12 through 14 says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. This is how those saved by grace and changed by the gospel of Christ treat one another. This is how they should. With compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We have all been forgiven of all of our rebellion and sin against God in all his holiness. Our response towards one another should be a heart of forgiveness. 2 Corinthians 2.7 says, So that on the contrary, you should forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, such a one might be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Paul is talking to the church about one who had fallen into sin and been cast out of the church for a time so that they could be brought into repentance because they would see the 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 weight of what they had done and now in the so that happened in the first letter he had advised them to separate themselves from him and now in the second letter he has repented and he's coming back into the body he's coming back into community and he says don't hold this over him Forgive him, comfort him, bring yourselves up and around him, lift him up in Christ, in community. Otherwise, his heart will remain broken and he won't grow. But we're here to build one another up, to exhort and encourage, to comfort and help one another because we're a body. We are the body of Christ. And so Hebrews 12 verse 13 says, Make straight the paths for your feet so that the limb which was lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. The idea that each of us is a different part of the body when somebody is in a place of uh, out of joint, incorrect, in need of being brought back in line we don't just let them stay there we don't exacerbate that we comfort them we we come around them and we help them set that back into place so that the body can continue to move forward so that they don't continue to to get more and more out of place we we comfort one another we we come alongside each other in gentleness like a doctor would with a with a joint that's out of place with a a, a limb that is broken psalm 141 verse 5 this is uh, our response when somebody comes alongside us in community let the righteous smite me in kindness and reprove me it is oil upon the head do not let my head refuse it so that's the nasb which is a little disjointed in the way that it comes across uh, verbally because they try and stay as letter to letter as they can. But in the ESV, there's, there's a different syntax. It says, let the righteous smite me 
it is a kindness. And reprove me, it is oil upon my head. Do not let my head refuse it. Yes, there is correction. Yes, there is admonishment and reproof within community and within the body of Christ, but it's done in a spirit of love, in gentleness and comfort so that our brothers and sisters can grow, so that they are lifted up out of their circumstance and back into a place of gratitude and worship before the Lord. Paul offers some wise advice here. That we are to meet our siblings in their struggles, in their failures, but we should watch our own hearts that we don't fall into temptation. And I'm sure part of that warning is to make sure that you aren't tempted by whatever the person that you're coming alongside is struggling in. But there's another aspect to this. I grew up in the South, and I grew up in a very traditional Southern Baptist church. And a lot of the cliches that you hear about southern churches are very accurate. Uh, I have known too many from my past to talk about other people in the church by asking for prayer for an individual. Well, so-and-so did this or was caught in that, so you just need to be praying for them, bless their heart. Like, it is... Gossip and slander within the church is a despicable thing. And that is not what happens in pure community. Community is compassionate, comforting. It's not a place to talk about one another, but to talk to and with one another. It brings us to verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Earlier I said that community is the thing we utilize least here in America. And I think that's because our society and our culture have given us two substitutes to the openness and vulnerability that real community calls for. Self-reliance and self-care. The the epitome, I almost said epitome because I'm so used to saying it wrong. The epitome of the American dream is the individual that pulls himself up by his bootstraps. And against adversity, he forges a path for himself to success. Have you ever tried to pull yourself up by your bootstraps? The term has come to mean doing something without any outside help. But originally, it meant trying to do something impossible and ridiculous. The original usage of the term was about a, a guy in, in, in Europe that claimed that he pulled himself out of a swamp by his own ponytail. That's not a thing. You can't do that. <laughs> You weren't made to do this alone. Self-care is no better. Even in this era of modern psychiatry, you go and talk to another person about your problems, but it's a single individual and they tell you how you can change your situation or circumstances that you can use to heal yourself. It's a brazen lie from the Prince of Lies. It's just another works-based salvation. 
It may not be salvation from sin and death and corruption, but it is salvation from your circumstance. And God still wants to offer you that outside of yourself. It is not something that you're designed for. You were made to rely upon God. You were made to rely upon His grace and His mercy for Him to lift you up. And God seeks to support us, to uplift us and to carry us using one another. So this is the verse that the passage hinges on. We don't just hear where our brothers and sisters are at and what they're going through. We meet them there. We grieve with them. We lift them up. We bear the burdens across our families so that no one is crushed. So that no one is stepped on. So that our love and compassion for one another, one another is walked out in faith. But there isn't enough time for that on a Sunday morning. Yeah, you're right. A uh, person who just said that and segued me right into my next point. Uh, <laughs> While Sunday morning isn't the culmination of everything it means to be in church and to be in community. I love that you all are here. I love worshiping with you every Sunday. I love getting into the word and the conversations that happen before and after hearing where everybody's at. But I can't get by with just meeting with my family once a week. That's why we have life groups. We meet every week. That's why the the people that are sitting around you right now should be your closest friends. We are a faith family. This community, this thing that you're a part of right now, it's an all week, all year, whenever you need it, and usually when you don't think you need it kind of thing. We bear one another's burdens by actually living life together and being with one another. Paul has fought tooth and nail over the course of this letter to bring the Galatians back into a right understanding of the gospel after the circumcision party or the Judaizers tried so hard to make them follow the law of Moses and all the Jewish customs in order to be a part of the body of Christ. But now, he says, we are to fulfill the law of Christ. How is that any different? What is the law of Christ. How does it differ from the law of Moses? Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus speaking, And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments... Depend all the law and the prophets. Paul refers to this back in chapter 5. He says, if you want a law, here's a commandment that you can follow. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus took the entirety of the Ten Commandments, really the entirety of the Old Testament law, the law of Moses, and boiled it down to two. Love God. Love people. Man, I feel like if you added a third L in there and you probably get a catchy slogan, a logo with an L and a three, nah, never mind. (laughs) But then in John, Jesus adds another, sort of. He really expounds upon the second. John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, 
that you also love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's given to the apostles, his disciples at the time, not long before he went to the cross and bore the weight of all of our sins upon himself. This is the law of Christ. Love one another with the agape, sacrificial love that God has for you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 21. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Romans 15, verse 1. Now, we who are strong ought to bear the weakness of those without strength and not just please ourselves. So we love one another. In community, we lift one another up. We bear the weight of life and the world and sin and wounds together and thus become a beacon of light and hope to the world around us. That is what it means to fulfill the law of Christ. It's really easy for us to segment that. To say, okay, well, bearing one another's burdens means being there for them emotionally and spiritually and meeting them in their sins and their transgressions and comforting them because we've talked about that. Or we can flip to the other side and say bearing with them is meeting them where their physical needs are because we see that in Acts. Throughout the birth of the church, every time the body was getting together, they were selling what they had and giving to those who had need. Now, I'm not trying to advocate some socialist governmental system, but the law of Christ says that we meet our brothers and sisters where they're at, whether it's emotionally, spiritually, or physically, and we bear their burdens with them. I can tell you right now, that is something that has been marked on my life. For those of you who don't know, my wife and I, we've been unemployed for the last three months, four months. And it's been a a really hard time trying to find work and be the provider for my family that I'm called to be. And I've had to rely on the Lord for provision in a way that I didn't ever expect to. The Lord prepared me for it for a long time, you know, being short on a check or whatever was happening and then the Lord coming through each and every time. But then for four months... We had rent, we had bills, we had groceries, we had gas that needed to be put in the truck. We needed to keep the internet going so that I can continue to apply for jobs. Like all of that was constantly happening. And I had to seek the Lord for provision. And you know how he did it? Through community. It would have been amazing had he just made thousands of dollars appear in my bank account each week. But... That's not how God, I mean, he can, but it's not how God tends to want to work. He wants to use one another to build each other up. Whether that's one of the young adults showing up with handfuls of groceries on a day when we didn't have anything in the fridge and we didn't know how we were going to make dinner for our family. Whether that was somebody putting a letter on our door with $2,000 in it so that we could pay our rent the day it was due with no money in our account. The body of Christ is meant to bear one another's burdens because that's how God ministers to us 
He can minister to us in supernatural and divine ways. He does. But he seeks to use community. This aspect of one another bearing each other in the weight of the circumstance or the sin or the wounds. It's it's a beautiful thing that God has designed for us. Verse 3 and 4. For if anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor. Humility. Think about how much of what's being said here requires humility. You can't be open and honest with your community without humbling yourself. Most of the reason that we don't allow for openness and honesty in our community is because we can't come to that humility. There's there's a there's a pride in self-deprecation that most people don't realize. The like, oh woe is me. It's it's still turning the spotlight on yourself. You can't come alongside a sibling in gentleness and restore them if you're haughty and prideful. If the law of Christ is to love God with all that we have and to love everyone else as Christ has loved us, then the way that plays out is in a spirit of humility. Because you can't fulfill the law of Christ. You can't love God and love people living generously. Again, last little plug there. If you're focused on yourself. God is worth all that I have and more, and I desire to give my everything to him. So nothing I have is mine, it's all his. Christ sacrificed everything for me and bore the weight of my sin and shame upon the cross because he loves me. And I am called to love those around me with a love that mirrors his love. A sacrificial love. So I must be willing to give or do whatever is needed to love that person like Christ has loved me. If those two commandments are kept, it is impossible to be self-centered, self-conscious, egotistical. Because we've already laid everything down. First, at the feet of God in worship. And then in mirroring sacrificial love of Christ, we lay it all down for our brothers and sisters. I've said this a few times this morning. We've all been through struggles. We have all lost the fight against sin. We all have wounds. We all have the weight of those things and physical needs upon us. So it should be easy for us to sympathize and empathize with our brothers and sisters who are dealing with those same very problems. 1 John 1.8 If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we think that, well, I'm not sinning in that way, so I can't come up... You're deceiving yourself. There is sin in each one of our lives. It's one of the reasons that we're continually being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.18 Let no man deceive himself. If any among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. Romans 12, verse 3. 
For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. All that we have, all that we're able to do, it's all a grace, a gift from the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3.5 says, Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. So unlike the Pharisee who boasts in themselves by comparing their state to those against others, unlike the fool who is so highly thought of himself that he sees his standing above those around him, believers in community recognize the grace and mercy that's poured out on us. We see that the Lord has given all that the Lord has given us and freed us from. We see that the same is true of our siblings around us. So we don't boast in our status or in our possessions or in our wisdom or prowess. And we certainly don't tear down someone in their vulnerability to make ourselves look better. We come alongside them because we've been where they are. We love them. We are compassionate towards them. We restore them gently and we bear the weight of their circumstances. We carry it with them. Verse 5. For each will have to bear his own load. Romans 14.12 says, So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Because we are free from the weight of sin. Christ bore that load for us on the cross. But we still will give an account to how we have used that freedom when we stand before our king. We bear one another's burdens in love and compassion. We sacrifice for each other. We admonish, exhort, comfort, and encourage one another through the battles and the wounds and the joys and the sorrows. But we cannot remove the burden. We cannot erase the wound. We can't pull them out of the battle that they're fighting. God uses all of those things in us to conform us into the image of Christ. So they aren't going away until we stand before him. We each have our own struggles. We each have our own failings. We each have our own wounds. And while we do have to deal with them ourselves, we don't have to do it alone. God has placed us in community. God has placed you here with us. You see, because God bought us with a price, his one and only son, Jesus died a horrible death on the cross so that we could be made sons and daughters of our God and creator and king. The Holy Spirit has come to live within us to link us together as brothers and sisters in the family of God. We are a family because of the unfathomable love of God. And by his bountiful grace, we are brought together in community to care for one another, to exhort one another, to admonish each other, but to show the world the love of God. Lay all you have, all that you are, and all that you're going through at the foot of the Lord. Don't hide it from your siblings. 
Be honest about it in community. Bear one another's burdens in love and compassion. Help your siblings. You've been there. You know what they're going through. Last week, we talked about fighting against our flesh and against sin. You need to know that you're not fighting alone. You belong here. Fight with us. Heavenly Father, you are so good and so gracious. And the, the system, system of community and this family that you have surrounded us with is a grace and a mercy to us that I don't know that we'll fully comprehend this side of glory. Teach each of us what it means to be a brother or a sister in Christ to those that you've put in community around us. Give us compassion and sacrificial love for those that are around us because everyone has something that they're going through. Everyone has a burden that they're bearing. Everyone has a wound that you're trying to heal. God, give us freedom. Show us our freedom to be open with our brothers and sisters, to trust in faith that you will use the community around us to heal our wounds, to uplift us through our burdens, to help us carry them. You said this is the the love of God for us, that we keep your commandments to love God and to love people. And the the commandment is not burdensome. It is not a heavy yoke you have placed upon us. The, The burden is light. The yoke is easy. Let us walk in that truth and lift one another up. Let us bear one another's burdens. For your glory, in your love, and your grace, and your mercy, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.